to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. That's a good place to stand for the Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible says, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's not enough to just say, Lord God, make me clean. He says, you're clean because of the word you heard. And so as we get in transition into the scriptures that is able to clean us, but it's not enough just to be made clean. You got to have the word in there to teach you how to stay clean. Wish somebody would hear me right there. Well, let's turn to Matthew 28, 16 through 20, as we continue in our series on core convictions. Somebody say, core convictions. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. One, two, three, read. I want to talk about today in continuing our series, Conversions, the blessing of a changed life. The blessing of a changed life. Let's go before our Lord and God. Master, um, what an amazing reality to be changed. We are those who are living to live again. And so, Master, give us the clarity as believers, those who are believers, I pray that you would clarify for them even more what it means to be a disciple today. But Lord God, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would be converted and see you more clearly. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Um, one of the uh, things that, uh, you know, I, I remember that makes me think of conversion in my mind is back in the day, I, I don't even know if it was called Android, um, but I used to use a phone that had a stylus. It, was a, it looked like a Blackberry, but it wasn't. It was kind of an Ackberry or something. You know how they sell you those left field phones and you know and you could use for the screen and it had buttons on it so i liked that one but it was glitchy then i got this other one somebody called it the sidekick in the first service where you flip push it up like that and, and then you type on it to your fingers feel like they, you get calluses right here on this part of your finger and, and spasms and stuff and tendonitis from typing on it um, um and that was the most glitchy phone that i ever had um but i i i was loyal because i was used to it so I was loyal because I was used to it. I knew how to use it. And so I was like, I'm, I don't feel like dealing with anything else. And then the iPhone dropped. And so I was kind of, somebody said, woo. And so, um, and so, um, it, it's, it, and so I was, I, you know, I'm one of the people that when a bunch of people start being up on something, 
I'm really like one of those kind of artsy people that want to be kind of the back, the backpack rapper versus, you know, they're mainstream, you know, that kind of thing, right? And so that's how I am about certain fads and trends. And so I was like, I'm falling back from the iPhone. I'm, and everybody around me, man, you need to get the iPhone, man. You need to get the iPhone, man. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. You should get rid of that trash. You know, they just dogging me about my Lord's flip-up joint that I had, right? And um, they said, you ain't got to do that no more. And it's all touchscreen. I was like, touchscreen? That's stupid, man. What if the screen go out and you ain't got no buttons? They say, well, and then they say, well, we ain't there yet, but you should get this, right? So, so somebody handed me the iPhone. I was like, oh, like, and I was like, nah, leave me alone. Then somebody else handed me an iPhone. I was like, ah, leave me alone. And they kept just working on me about getting the iPhone to the point where my phone died and it was time for an up. That was back when they had upgrade, not these leases and things they got now. That's when you had to wait for an upgrade for like after your contract is over. Even if your, your phone, the wire hanging out, it's like, you're still in contract. Um, we can't do anything, right? <laughs> and so, and so, and so, and so, and so they, I, I, I said, I'll try the iPhone. I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it was. They gave you that white box. And then you, and then you, you, pull, you pull it off and it slides off. I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, all right. Then they got the little circular thing you pull up when it come out and they go pop. And then you go like, okay. Then you pick it up and it's just, it's just glazed. And then, then under it, it has all the wire. I was like, man, so it turns it on and just walks me, hello, it said to me. And I was like, wow. You know, it, and I just felt so invited once I converted. That's what becoming a Christian is like. Converting from something that you're dysfunctionally used to to something that's better and user-friendly. That's what it means to be converted. Being converted, being converted for, for us is, is, is that type of experience where people are hitting you up, hitting you up, hitting you up, and then you finally like, okay, let me check things out. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I should have done this a long time ago. How many of you wish you'd have got saved earlier and, 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 and would have dealt with some stuff earlier? You would say, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have been a fool so long. If, I, if, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have been out there so long. If I would have just known, but what's good about God is God will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. So he can make your new years feel like you've always been walking with him because he's the God of the catch-up. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me. And so, so that's what I love about the beauty of conversion. I, 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 love, I love being a believer in Christ. I, 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 as hard as it is sometimes. I, I, I say to myself when it's hard, I say, hard with Jesus is better than hard without Jesus. <laughs> Um, so, so, so when I think about the glory of conversion and coming into a body where, where, where so many different people from so many different backgrounds, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, it's the most beautiful thing. Yet in our culture, conversion is something that people tend to doubt, right? When you say you're a Christian, they're like, you know, back in the day we used to do that if we didn't believe you. I don't know if they do that anymore. I just dated myself, my bad. But... It's interesting that today there's so many things that happen where people are checking for conversion because people have seen people excited about <clears throat> calling themselves a believer, going to altar calls and boohooing and weeping and getting Crisco on their forehead, falling out and not remaining the same and remaining the same, right? So, 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 so I remember when I was in college and, um, you know, I trusted Christ as my Savior, but I was in that wrestle. I didn't have any discipleship at the time. So, you know, I, I just kind of... I, you know, I was the convicted one in the room when they were passing things down. So, 
you know. And so um, what ended up happening was, is this one time this dude came to the campus. And I don't know why I felt drawn to going to this campus ministry. This dude was preaching. Dude annihilated the gospel. And I was, I was, I was broken here. You know, that's when they used to do the rededication of your life to Christ. You don't do that no more. But we used to do, to do the altar call for everybody who don't know him. Then the rededication. And the, all of us as Christian on the college campus, we used to HBCU, tore down. And I remember my dudes talking about, where you coming from? I came from, you know, the little campus ministry thing, man. I think, I think I'm good, man. The dude's like, you sure? I was like, and he just rolled it too. I was like, look, I, look how you're looking at me. Okay, nah, I'm, I'm good. They said, we're going to wait two, three days. He going to be back up in this room smoking weed with us, among other things. And because they'd seen me over and over and over again say that I was going to walk with God, but I, I, I kept going back out into the very things that kept me bound. But something about this time was just different. I didn't feel like I was trying to grab God. This one was different. It was that God grabbed me. And then because he grabbed me, I grabbed him. Because he initiated the connection and then I was able to struggle with growth. And so, and so when we talk about the beauty of conversion, though, well, you know, what does a false conversion look like? I want you to put this up there because False conversion. I, I wanna, can I lay a foundation real quick? Uh, um, 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 one of the things is, is when we talk about conversion, it's so important. I'm going to define it in a second, but let's talk about what it's not. It's not uh, uh, um, based standing with God based on what they do for God versus the finished work of Jesus. It's interesting when people, they, they, that's how they base their life. So when I, shared, when I talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and they say, I say, when did you become a, uh, when did you become a believer? Well, I kind of grew up in the church. That's not the gospel. Like, I grew up in the church means you were around where the gospel was preached. The gospel wasn't in you. So what is that? I, you know, it's one thing. I don't, I'm not asking people for their spiritual birth date necessarily. I'm just asking, like, when did you, uh, you know, when did you get saved? And people give the answer to that. The other one is makes an emotional profession but lacks the grace to remain. That's what we just talked about. Makes an emotional profession but lacks the grace to remain. Not only that, refusing to own personal sin and repent of it. That's a huge sign of a lack of believing. That's why Jesus told the, I mean, y'all like what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees. He says, when they came to get baptized by him, he says, you brood of vipers, who told you to come to, uh, uh, to, to escape the wrath that has come? But he said, but bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, when you repent of sin, there's when you become a Christian, there's fruit that comes. That happened. That's, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about fruit. Those are two different things. And what happens is, is you begin to be different progressively over time, but there's some immediate things that make you hold back in a way. Some people you would have knocked out, you wouldn't knock out as quick. Maybe you knocked, a, maybe you knocked them out immediately and maybe you waited longer the next time. That's growth. Amen. Amen. Right? But the other, mm -mm, go back. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, I like whatever you wrote and says. Thanks. Uh, refuse to own personal sin. One of the things that's a problem with this is it's nothing worse than someone when you confront them about their sin, they can never confess it. Or they give a remedial refresh, confession. They say, well, I know I was wrong, but you. That's, see, See, now you didn't own your own sin. What you just, the Bible says, he who confesses and forsakes a matter will find favor. 
<laughs> so, 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 so what happens many of us is you, 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 a sign of repentance is, you know, I, I hate being held accountable. Let's just lay it out there. I don't like nobody calling me out. So really, as soon as you tell me something that I know that I'm wrong in, I get ticked off and want to say things that are pre-Christian. But because I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit and a new nature, it demands a gospel response. <laughs> you understand? So now I can't just be mad at you for saying it. Now I have to own my sin and not make anybody else accountable. Whenever someone sins and makes somebody else accountable for the reason why they sin, you may need to check the fruit of your salvation. If that is a consistent disposition of your life, not that happens in our lives every now, but I'm talking about as a nothing, you're never wrong. You ever met somebody that's never wrong? And so you're just like, I can't even talk to you no more because you're never wrong. Next one, next one, next one. I'm willing to submit to discipleship and spiritual authority. That's a huge thing uh, Paul talks about in Titus chapter 1. These are some signs. Every, you, you, you're, right, uh, you're, you're right unto yourself, right? And we know that there's been spiritual abuse. We're talking about when you're under healthy authority. Somebody say healthy authority. Like, like you, know, you know, it's an easy scapegoat, right? But, but also submission to discipleship. When you're engaged in a discipleship process, um, uh, submitting to that. Unable to communicate the gospel. That's the scary one, scariest one on here to me. I, I, I've been saved for a long time, so how do you know that you're saved? Well, man, I just, man, reading my Bible has been great, and, be, and prayer, man, I, I just like praying, and I like, I like coming to church. That's not the gospel. And so when a person, can, I'm not talking about a person talking about, well, in, 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 the, in the period of, of the, I'm not talking about you bringing out this soliloquy of the gospel. I'm talking about a simple, clear understanding of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. The fact that Christ died for your sins to appease God's wrath, not to make you rich, but to make you his. Anyway, that was for free. <laughs> um, is around the things of God, but seems unaffected by anything spiritual. You know, just, you're around, I like being around, but there's no sense of, there's no sense of, man, I'm, I'm digging what's going on, right? In the sense of truth being dispensed. The Bible says uh, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, long for the pure milk of the word. That's what it says in the scriptures. And, and, and that's not baby food it's talking about there in context. It's talking about for a desire for, for the purity of the word of God. That's how you know you say, <clears throat> uh, 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 one of the ways, uh, uh, resist calls to holiness. Again, that's the same thing as the other one. Let's go to the next one. So, but how does, the, uh, um, how does the New Testament describe a genuine Christian convert? Y'all still with me? Yeah. Loves fellow, fellow Christians and the local church because he or she loves God. Yeah. That's in the Bible. Yeah. Desires fellowship with God and not just ease in heaven. Lord, have mercy. In other words, treats the, don't treat the gospel like fire insurance. Understands that following Jesus means discipleship. We're going to talk about this in a second when we talk about discipleship. It means discipleship. Next one for me. Uh, ne next slide for me. If that, that's not it, is it? That's it? That's it? Oh, I'm looking here. I'm sorry. Obeys God out of love for God. Is eager to confess and turn away from his or her sin. Listen to this, holds grace costly and his own desires cheap. 
listen, listen, listen. Many of us, we don't want to have like Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. You know, cheap grace is where I'm saved and I can do what I want. No. Save believes that grace is expensive, not God being nice. And because God paid so much for it, a response to grace is for me to pursue him in holiness. Amen. I know that's a curse word sometimes nowadays, but but holiness still is popular in the kingdom. Next thing, next thing, conversion. Somebody say conversions. What is conversion then? Trying to lay this foundation. What is it? What is conversion? It's authentic transformation by the gospel by which one is taken from spiritual death to spiritual life by faith in Jesus and experiencing continued. Somebody say continued. Continued transformation through day-by-day submission to following Jesus. So we see that conversion is positional and progressive. That's what, we, that's, that, that's what we have to understand. So, so, so in Colossians 1, 11 and 12, it says we've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the domain of his marvelous son. It, say, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Positional, positional conversion. But then there's practical conversion. Because the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we're, that, that, that we're going from one level of glory to another level of glory. And, and, and that's, that, that's, that's, that's practical conversion or sanctification where you're constantly being converted in different areas of your life for mind renewal. That means to be a believer is to submit to the fact that most of what you think and most of what you like is not on target and that it has to be engaged by truth, by grace, through faith in Christ in the gospel and you are being brought into new sea. You get into a new season, not just so that you can uh, 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 be a bigger and better person, but you, 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 you get into new seasons because God is taking you to different levels in him. Yes. That, that means as a believer, you shouldn't want to remain the same. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. You, 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 you're like, I can't stand where I am. Yeah. I'm not talking about, I don't, I don't like the apartment I'm living in. I'm talking about the, the disposition I have towards God in my life. Yeah. That, that, that's what we now need to be, to, to have our minds shaped and changed. Yeah. The other idea I have of it is permanent change from darkness in this world to light in Jesus. First point, here we go. Now you're ready. One point of the day, one point, one point only. We must promote authentic change in the world until Jesus returns. We must promote authentic change in the world until Jesus comes. Here we go. Verse 16 says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. I like that. That's obedience. Go to the mountain. They went. Now that may sound simple, but for some disciples that may not be simple. But know what I like is the next verse. It says, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Stop. Now, now let, me, let me explain something to you. This is not, I've heard different groups try to say, no, nah, this means reverence or respect. No, this means worship. Because, because, because the worship has to do with expressive belief that someone's bigger than you. I like that. 
But, but you know that it's true worship. It's, it's not just respect because it says, but some doubt it. So it wouldn't make sense to translate it, some respected him and some doubt it. That doesn't even make sense. Worship is the only superlative that would fit the antithesis of doubt. Are you tracking with me? So what I like about this, though, is most of the time in the Bible, when somebody got worship, when they were a messenger from God, they would say, yo, 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 man, get up. Eric Mason translation. Yo, man, we just servants. Get up. Right? Here, Jesus like this. He ain't say nothing. Because he know he's worthy of praise. That's what's so fly about it. <laughs> he know he's worthy of it. So he just stood there and just took it in. Just took it in. And if God is a jealous God, why didn't he kill Jesus for receiving worship? So that makes him God. <laughs> and so now we have a verse in the Bible that has Jesus being worshiped and being inferentially called God. Amen. That wasn't what the sermon was about, but that's what that verse was about. Verse 18. Check it out. Now, it says in verse 18, Jesus came near and said to them, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is a huge, 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 huge statement. So remember we talked about this. So when Jesus took on an additional nature by becoming a human, Philippians 2 said, although he existed in the form of God, he didn't view equality with God a thing to be grasped. He's not saying that he wasn't equal with God and so he wasn't going after it. It's because he existed in the form of God. The word there for form is the Greek word morphe, which means essence. So, which means that Jesus Christ existed, past tense and present, in the form of God. He was in the essence. So, he didn't, have, he didn't see something that you have to grab at in his incarnation, but he, but he emptied himself. The idea of empty, Lord help me, means that Jesus Christ willingly submitted, not his attributes, but using his attributes without the, without the permission of God the Father. So he said, I'll use it with his permission while I'm in flesh. But the Bible says that when he died, he was highly exalted so that above every name, that the name of Jesus, uh, uh, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Why is that there? Because Jesus, because after the resurrection, he, he, got, he got restored to him the ability to use his deity without permission, even though he was still in a human body. Yet everything that he is in all of his essence, his, 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 his relative attributes and his, and his, and his eternal attributes, uh, uh, could not be contained in his transfigured body, yet it just, I don't know how it even works. His body is not containing him, but he's in the body and talks through it, but his essence and his existence exudes outside of his body because he's omnipresent, omniscient, and so he's non-corporeal generally, but in his incarnation, he's corporeal. I just can't even get my mind around the massivity of the glory of Jesus Christ, right? But this is all authority has been given to me. This was prophesied. Daniel 6, 14 tells us, says, he was given dominion and glory and kingdom and a kingdom so that those of every people, we'll come back to this, every nation language should serve him. Dominion is, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. So what is he talking about here? When Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, that means God the Father lets Jesus takes preeminence in the Godhead to make all decisions concerning his kingdom. 
That means God the Father is just chilling. He's still God, but he said, he said, I was preeminent in the Old Testament. It's your turn, son. You be preeminent. That's beautiful. And then the Holy Spirit, he says, I've been on earth for a while. The Father's been, now you go to earth as, as, as my spirit. I'll sit up here with God the Father, but we're all everywhere. But you'll be the presiding person that shows himself to the world by me being preeminently telling you what it looks like to glorify me. I'm trying to figure out a way how to explain this stuff in human language. But, it, but, but th- when he says all authority has been given to me, that's what it means. So if he has authority in heaven and the earth, it's not, it's not like ethereal. It's practical. Meaning if he got all authority in heaven and the earth, he got authority over you and me. That means that four letter word we don't like. Lord. That means he gets to run your life. That means as many dreams as you got, as many visions as you got, yeah, dream and have visions, that's great. But just know that there's somebody that orders steps and that there's a divine editor that sometimes you'll feel disappointed by because he does not follow your instructions. And, 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 and the issue is, if you don't see your life as a disciple, God wants you to plan. God doesn't plan. He has plans for you uh, 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 um, uh, in the big thing, but he calls us to plan. But he calls us in our planning to edit. That's, I can't go into that. Go back to the series on Proverbs, verse, uh, chapter 16. You, uh, you'll see that. And, 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 and we're called, listen, we're, we're called to plan, but we're also planned to give those plans to him. And that's why in our lives, we live in the dream course where everybody is, 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 is comprehensively entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial, and that's fine. However, just make room in your life that you may not be failing. It may be God directing you. Some stuff in your life, this is for free, that shut down is just God nudging you another direction. And what happened was, is you seem to fail in that situation, but you learned some stuff. You learn some stuff about yourself. That's what being a disciple is. It's the everyday life of walking with God by which he's constantly nudging you different directions and teaching you something. So don't let anything in your life that God allows confuse you. Learn from it. Learn from it. And so when we look at his authority, that's him providentially through the spirit working his sovereign authority in your life in very practical ways. Him having authority in heaven and earth is a very down-to-earth thing. Very down-to-earth thing. Um, Then it says, go. Somebody say go. Go. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's work through this verse. Several beautiful things in this verse that we need to frame ourselves around. There's only one command in this verse. It sounds like it's four, but it's only one. Now, the only command in this verse is make disciples. It's the only imperative. Everything else is a mechanism for disciples to be made. So, so, so that's what those participles are doing is describing the way the disciples are made. Make disciples is an imperative. Baptizing and teaching is a participle. That's a descriptive adjective, a a verbal adjective, which showing you the way that disciples look being done. 
Go is the mechanism that you use to go out and make disciples by which you do baptizing and teaching. Are you tracking with me? Just a little grammar real quick so we can know what's going on. So remember, everything in the church, everything in the church has to be built around disciple making. Everything. Everything. If it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't care how you feel. You may like a ministry, but if it doesn't serve the Great Commission, it must dissolve. And so, so when we think about this idea of this reality, this is not being mean, this is being focused. Somebody, be, somebody say, be focused. What is a disciple? A disciple of Jesus is one who has denounced himself or herself and pledged their life to being in a lifetime apprenticeship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You, let, let me tell you something. No matter how old you are, you never grow out of growing in discipleship. That means you can't retire. You may can retire from SEPTA and, you know, the Comcast Center or even your business, but you cannot retire from being a disciple. That mug is on every day. Every day. Every day of your life, God is chiseling it away at our craziness. Being a disciple that means be less crazy over time. That's all it means. It means to be less a fool than you were a few years ago. And that's the beauty of being a disciple, but following him. That means you have to submit to his guidance. And, and so when we look at this, that, that was normal in the day. Now, the idea of discipleship wasn't unique to Christianity. What makes the discipleship unique is Jesus. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so the idea of the, even the structure of a disciple making like that was not even like Judaism had it, uh, Egyptians, had, everybody had disciple make uh, disciples. The question, the, the issue, the issue is, 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 is who's the focus? Who's the focus? And so, when we talk about discipleship, that's what we're that's what we're framing what we're talking about in. So, I like the next section because it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I love this. I love this. This is why I like this. It tells me something about the gospel. The gospel can penetrate any culture. Let me explain something to you. Now, 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 what's beautiful is the gospel, this lets you know that the gospel comes in many, it's one gospel, yet it shows itself in practical forms and culture that's different than in other cultures. And so that's why even going on missions, stay with me, don't let me lose you. Going on missions is a very, very tough thing because you have to figure out how to communicate the gospel to people in a way where they get it in their language and understand it from God's perspective. That was rich. You didn't even know it. I'm trying to tell you because a lot of times that's why we're dealing with the reality of people calling Christianity the white man's religion today. Because what Western, and I'm talking about all white people, I'm talking about Western white imperialism has done is equated uh, 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 ev being evangelized with being civilized. So what it does is it goes into missionary cultures and, and, and our Western Christianity will go into that culture and, and not just preach the gospel, it'll say you have to become like me to be like Christ. But that is, that is a major gospel issue. 
That's a major gospel issue because you're basically saying the only way the gospel can work is if my culture comes with it, which that's another gospel. (laughs) Are you tracking with me today? So what the gospel does is it goes in culture and it's going to look differently in other places. That means, the, that means the gospel in content, the death, burial, and resurrection, creation, that doesn't change. The question is, what does Christianity look like in that culture? That means you don't go in that culture and tell women how to dress. That means you don't go in the cultures and demonize their music and their art. Because, you don't, because you're looking from your cultural perspective at it. And so I'll give you an example. I got on this bracelet. I went to the King of Prussia with my babies yesterday. And I, I like these bracelets. And dude was, gave me the bracelet. He was, he, I was about to pay for it. This other bracelet, not this one, but the other one. It's a little, little bracelet, a little, little, little something, $25, $15. I grabbed the bracelet. He said, now you know what this means? I'm like, looking at him. He said, turquoise grounds you and all of this. I'm looking at him like this. I said, bro, just sell me the bracelet. I don't need all that. I said it just like that. Because God made turquoise. So, am I worshiping a devil by wearing turquoise? It's just a bracelet. It ain't got no charms on it. It's just turquoise. Nice, beautiful turquoise. And then I got me some great tiger's eyes. And I'm aware of them joints. Why? Because God, when he spoke, it came into existence. Not because I'm trying to worship some demon who's going to ground me. I'm already grounded in the gospel because the ground I stand on, it ain't sinking sand. It's solid. Solid ground. <laughs> Solid ground. So I don't, I don't even fool around. But, but the gospel, what's beautiful about the gospel is when it penetrates, it invades culture in so many different ways. It invades religious barriers. It invades spiritual barriers, family barriers. You know, one of the things that Pastor Manda told us that was beautiful is he told us, he said, he said, Pastor, one of the things we need the gospel to speak to in discipleship in our culture is how marriage is patriarchal in a way that steps on the neck of the woman, not, not, treat, not help her to walk as an equal. So when you have, so what happens is, is one of the entryways for salvation can be in that culture is them seeing a biblical marriage. The wife is like, Oh, the husband dies for me instead of working me like a workhorse and I do everything we need to go see them people and the next thing you know they sitting down and talking and they say what would the Christ you know die for the up in that culture and that was the entryway into the gospel let me give you another one I'm, I'm gonna be done let me give you another one this 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 uh this missionary went into a, a aboriginal culture and they went in and they literally just had oral tradition. They didn't have any written languages. So imagine that's where you got to make disciples at. So they had to learn their oral tradition, take their language and put phonetics on it and build out a written language for them. This is before they could even have a Bible. So when they got to the word faith, they got stuck. It's like there's no word that we've ever heard them use that says faith. So they're trying to, what are we going to do with faith? Faith, faith, faith. So they're out on a boat one day, and they're fishing with the people. And they've been translating the New Testament. So they, but the places where faith is, they don't have a word for it. So while they're on the boat, they put the nets out. 
The natives pulled it up and the, and the guy starts saying a word, they're saying a word that mean the nets, the net, the, the, the catch def, depends, whatever word it was, depends on us. So pull and whatever it was that he said, the guy said, that's our word for faith. That's it. And he said, what do you mean? He said, see how they're depending on the net to pull it in. What the word they use for the strength of the net is what faith is supposed to be in Christ. So let's take that and insert that in the translation. People of all villages came to Jesus Christ because they had the gospel in their language. That's what the gospel does. Gospel is a global truth for all people groups, black, white, a Caribbean, uh, African, Australian, Aboriginal, uh, Asian, uh, European, everybody. And the beauty of it is their Christianity in form may be, uh, may be different, but same in function. Oh God. I, I wish I, I, I got to move. Baptizing and teaching. So baptizing and teaching. Baptism, we got to stop just saying, and, and it's probably my fault. I need to make sure that we make baptism a bit more bigger than it is. Because sometimes we communicate more of what baptism is not in Christian churches versus what it is. So we try so hard to emphasize that you're not saved through baptism that we don't know what baptism even is. So, so, so the symbol, baptism back then was huge. I mean, there was a, even though people weren't converted through baptism, there was a deep understanding of its connection to conversion. Where they celebrated their baptism because it was a signal of their union with Jesus Christ. So when we talk about baptizing them, it's the part by which we're a, where a person affirms that their identity is found in Christ. That's how you make disciples. Now, not only that, next thing is teaching. Somebody says teaching. teaching. Now, when we say teaching, this idea of, of, of teaching, the idea of teaching, this is very important. This, this is very important. Is teaching is us doing what Christ has commanded us, right? Now, this is very important. One of my transitions from, <laughs> I did my, my master's degree in middle upper class majority culture. So the way they taught us in the classroom about discipleship was very narrow, which means discipleship was conversion. That's it. No, I mean, teaching rather. Teaching, our teaching must be about your soul. You know, we deal with the soul. The Bible deals with the soul. It doesn't deal with anything else in your life. That is the worst thing on the planet to teach somebody. Because the soul is the, is the central place of transformation, but there are areas in your life that the truth of God's word needs to be taught in so that you can be a better disciple. Okay, y'all looking at me funny? I'm going to give you an example. So um, I remember, um, now I ain't going to tell too much of my testimony for y'all know too much. Um, let me see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do it. All right. So... One night, back in the day, <laughs> um, my wife and I, we were hanging out in Dallas at this place called White Rock Lake. And we sitting there, we just chilling, and um, we just chilling, chilling, enjoying ourselves. Nothing, nothing happening, no touchy-touchy. Um, 
and the police drove up. I'm like, oh, snap. He got his flashlight all in the car. What y'all doing? Like this, right? So I'm like, nothing, officer. He gives us a ticket. I'm like, why well, I got a ticket? He says, because it's after hours. So I'm like, all right. So I go, I'm like, I'm going to fight this ticket, man. This, is, this, this thing is like a couple beans. So boom, go to the judge. Go in the office. I'll never forget. The judge is up there. She's a, she's a woman. Never forget it. She said, why were you there at the dock? We just were sitting there. Da, 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 da. I'll never forget. I said, she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a youth pastor. She said, what is a youth pastor doing with a woman after dark in a park? Now, even though we weren't doing anything, the conviction of, in the courtroom for me, it was a courtroom full of people, hit me. Let me give you another example. Maybe it hit home closer to you. Well, you know, I'm just going to spend the night. We ain't going to do nothing. You know? But something usually happens. How does the gospel speak to you hanging at somebody's house that you attracted to too late? What does a disciple say? So a, a male disciple, I'm getting into the manhood series who early says, you know what? I know me. I don't know you, but I know me. So platowisms can happen. So guess what I'm going to do as your brother in Christ? I got, I got a dude that's going to protect me and call me at a certain time to make sure I'm not here. But then the Bible teaches us not to take it. And somebody may say, well, no, it ain't specifically in the Bible say you can't spend a night. And the God, but the disciple says, who takes fire into the bosom and not get burnt? So what, what a disciple does, I, I may just let it here. What, what a disciple does is a disciple begins to think biblically about every decision. That means that you're like, you, you got student loan debt, but you got a $10,000 credit card, free access. And you're feeling a little depressed or a little excited, either one, you go to King of Prussia Mall. You don't go downstairs like where Foot Locker is. You go up to the marble area. If you know King of Prussia Mall, you know that area. There's a whole difference. That's when you go into a store and they pull out champagne. That's because they know they're going to make that back, you know, when you buy that thing. <laughs> That's the, and, 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 and you begin, you, what, is, what, is, what does the Bible say about you getting in debt just to relieve yourself? What does that help? All it's, in other words, discipleship, I can't go into all, it's holistic. That means when we talk about making disciples, this God is nosy. God is a nosy God, and he wants to be in everything in your life. He wants to be in how you're single. He wants to, he wants to get into your lack of contentment and disciple you in it. He wants to tell you how to run to him versus run into foolishness. He wants to say, you're doing a good job. Don't fall off of it. I love you even where you are, and getting married doesn't make you better. He wants to help you with that, but you, you have to let him help you with that. And so when Jesus says this, he says, he says, baptize him and teach him, but he says, baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says that because it's basically saying, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. It's not saying that there is the whole thing as a name. And so it's focused of us getting baptized in Him. But then it comes last. And what I love about in talking about holistic discipleship and talking about this and then landing it here is 
as we apply this to our entire lives as believers, what are some means of discipleship? And I'm done. Number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad y'all put that up there. Means of discipleship, hearing the word of God regularly. Like not gathering with the saints and building your life around that is not cool. I'm going to tell you, this is a central place of discipleship, right? Being in proximity of other believers, very important. Being at Bible studies where you just can't be proclaimed to, but you can apply and learn. Serving different people for the growth, uh, for the growth needs of your, of your life. But then guess what else is discipleship? Counseling. Counseling is discipleship. Because what counseling does is it helps you in an area of your life where you're stumped, where you can only see where you are, but not beyond where you are. So what counseling does is it gets up 30,000 feet in your life and looks down so that you can see the broader narrative that's contributing even either to why you haven't healed or something that's affecting you not moving forward on some level, or it's dealing with a particular sin issue that you need clarity on why you do it and understand why it's a stronghold so you can go to the place of origin and uproot it. That's a part of the discipleship process. And so what we have to do is you and I have to begin submitting ourselves to those different places of disciple making in order to be who God wants us to be. And Jesus says after this, he says, and look y'all, he said, if you do this, I'll be with you. He said, lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age, which the context is in. He's not saying he doesn't, he's, he, 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 you lose your salvation if you're not making disciples, but he says, the way I'm with you, I'm with you for this. I'm not with you for cuddling sessions. I'm not with you just for Kumbaya International Ministries. I'm with you so that you can be about making disciples. So guess what the church needs to be? We all need to be a disciple-making community. The harvesters, continuing to understand your harvesting is important, but also hospitality because you're welcoming someone into an environment where discipleship is taking place. Media, don't look down on what you're doing because you're giving visual learners the ability to see so that they can be discipled through the visual learning that's happening. The person that cleans the building, you're cleaning the building so people won't have any visual distractions to their ability, listen, to know and grow in the spaces and places of that, Uh, and, and then scatter out into the city and enjoying one another at Lynn Villa Orchards is discipleship because it's building relationships with people so that you can trust them with your stuff. I'm done. Father, we thank you for the word of God and we thank you for our lives being placed in a place where we have to Um, walk with you and know you and submit to you, God. And God, discipleship is that very thing. Discipleship is supposed to drive us to that. And that's what conversion is. Conversion is having every area of our life overhauled by truth. So Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that you would strengthen us as believers in that. But if someone is here and they've never experienced positional conversion, this is not a point of damnation as much as it is a place of encouragement to say that we want you as a believer to have clarity, a person to become a believer and have clarity on what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't and how you go from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. And that's through putting your confidence and faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. 
in relinquishing God's wrath and bringing you into a sphere where you're able to now experience God on a daily basis through relationship. That's the center of what it means to be a believer. And he wants to change and get to areas of your life where you're not able to get to on your own. So maybe you're here today and you need that gospel. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.